Some call me Steve, Dad, Husband or Friend. Others might call me Boss, Coach or Mentor. Today you can call me the Leadership Hacker. Thanks for listening in, I really appreciate it. My job as the Leadership Hacker is to hack into the minds, experiences, habits and learning of great leaders, C-suite executives, authors and development experts so that I can assist you developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake, I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. On today's show, we're joined by one of the best leadership development coaches in the world who is going to share some delight with us today. Before I introduce you to Avi Loran, here's a Leadership Hacker News. In the news today, it's important to recognise that keeping ourselves upbeat is an essential ingredient to keep us on the straight and narrow as we go through any crisis. Eddie Chapman, Bridlington Amusement Arcade owner, has started filling his grabber machine with toilet roll instead of soft toys, given the global panic to rush to buy them, and in doing so created quite a bit of a stir. In fact, one couple had travelled more than 60 miles to play the grabber game, and looked incredibly delighted when they'd won some toilet roll. In other news, a ban on skywriting, and skywriting is where planes write messages in the air using smoke, is set to make a comeback after government proposals to rethink and reintroduce ideas of how they can communicate, particularly when less people are visible and social media doesn't often work. So writing in the sky, in the smoke, such as wash your hands, could make a comeback to our skies soon. And it's important to generate new ideas and thinking when we need to. So leading and leadership comes from thinking outside of the box. What's normal, what's not normal, How can we do new things and interesting things to create the right energy and atmosphere? That's the Leadership Hacker News. If you've got any ideas, news or insights that you'd like to share with us, please share through our social media. Today I'm joined on the show by a Chief Delighting Officer. So what's a Chief Delighting Officer mean, I hear you say? Well, I'm delighted to say that on the show today, we have one of the world's best designers and creators of leadership development programs. He's a TEDx speaker. He's spoken in over 18 countries around the world and has helped thousands of leaders and managers in more than 100 companies. And I'm pleased to introduce Avi Liran. Avi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So the whole principle of delighting and delighting people might sound a bit fluffy, but you've been able to save managers and organizations millions of pounds and help generate millions of pounds in revenue. So just tell us a bit about what what does delight mean in, in this sense? Great questions. And I, I would say that one of the case studies that I like most is with Marina Bay Sands. It's uh, an iconic integrated resort that uh, has, I believe, it is the most profitable integrated resort in the world. They make a billion dollar a year. And when they started, they became the biggest venue in Singapore with 2,656 uh, rooms. You can imagine what would be the line for check-in and uh, housekeeping. And they have a lot of uh, teething problems and they had change of leadership. They got fantastic 
training for service, which means that they were supposed to be great in service. It's an iconic place. But because of leadership, leadership was transactional. And there was one that was actually toxic. And he was a COO, uh, the recent one. And he would go and tell people, you're fired, just like Donald Trump. And the problem with that was that people that came all the way from Vegas with the families got really scared. So it was a culture of fear. And no wonder within just a few months, they got to a horrible score on TripAdvisor. It was 140. And then they called us and we worked for about seven months together with the top 250 leaders. And within seven months of uh, going and grinding into what does it mean to become a chief delighting officer and making commitment to be one, they managed to go up all the way to 36th place on TripAdvisors. The commitment that the COO, the new COO that came instead of the uh, gentleman that was there before him, when he started the first workshop with us, he said, I took these guys to take you all the way out of your comfort zone. We think that may look fluffy, but if you don't want to be in Marina Bay Sands, a leader that will be delighting his team, if you don't want to have joy and you don't want to take care of your teams as a family, please prepare a CV and go to Santosa, which is the competition. And I think that he made the commitment so well that every time that we had a workshop, he would come to say exactly that thing. And at the end of the few days workshop, he would hand the certificate to each one of the leaders, shake their hands, look in their eyes and say, you are a chief delighting officer. And I think that was uh, his commitment and the commitment of the leaders afterwards to cascade it. And then it's like, they all went on the highway because they had a fantastic framework of uh, service. And they're doing extremely well. This is probably the most profitable uh, single resort in the world. That's amazing. Excellent story. Thank you for sharing what delight can mean in real sense. When was it that you stumbled across this principle of delight? How did that come about in your work, in your life? Well, pretty early. Everybody stumbles upon delight all the time. And the question is, uh, what guides us? Because we're going to see a lot of adversity in the world. And lucky for me, I got fantastic parents and they were Holocaust survivors. So they, they've seen the hardship, they escaped and they seen their, their family uh, slaughtered all in front of their, in their very eyes and wounded and, and hungry and running for their life as refugees. And the inspiration came from my mom. I want to tell you a story that is not in my keynote or what you've seen. I remember after my father passed away and my mom as a doctor had two mortgages to pay and uh, people will, will abuse and use her without paying her. She needed the money. And one day in January, it was raining uh, cats and dogs and she came back after a home visit and I asked her, mom, so, so did you earn? And she said, no. And I was angry. I said, why? And she said, Avi, you don't understand. These people are so poor. They don't have even money to go to A&E. So I took the medicine because I can't buy medicine and I gave them what the promotional people, the pharmaceutical company sales guys give to me. You don't understand, Avi. I have three ways that I charge people. The poor don't have to pay. Normal people will pay normal and the rich people will pay double. And I tell them that. And I think I learned from her so much about how to look at every person as a human, how to have compassion and kindness. She once caught me not giving coins to a person that uh, opened his hand and asked for it. 
And she told me, Avi, who are you to judge? Because I say maybe he's used the money for uh, drugs or, uh, or liquor. And she say, you know what? You always can give someone from what you have. And I remember my father, they, they didn't have much. And, you know, once a month they buy you ice cream. And I, I want to thank my father. And I say, thank you. He say, don't thank me, just bless me. And bless me that every time I open the wallet, I have what to give to others. So I grew up with people that were humble and kind and loving and at the same time did not have much, but they always wanted to give and to smile and to help. And I, I was blessed. And I believe a lot of us in the world, no matter where we come from, and, and they're a good example of not complaining about what life did to you and surrender to that, but being great contributors. And I, I learned it from them. I'm grateful to them. That's a great story. So the whole principle of being delightful, what do you think the reason is that some people would struggle with being able to feel a little freer and be more delightful in the workplace? What do you think holds people back? I think that some bad experience in the past prevent us and make us uh, more cautious. And it's very interesting because every time that I work with a group of leaders and they get to the essence of what is the engine of delight, probably we're going to talk about it later. They come to me and say, so what if people abuse me? And the fears are really, what if I'm going to give too much? Uh, what if I'm going to be too friendly? I believe at a certain time, not allowing yourself to delight is like being fearful and deciding after the first time that you had a relationship break uh, to decide, I'm going to stay single for the rest of, uh, of my life. The, the fact is that the, delight, the, the neuroscience of delight teaches us that when you delight somebody else, you, delight, you are immediately delighted back. Because what happened is the, you, your brain produces oxytocin. And that immediately kickstarts the reward circuitry in the hypocumbus. It dopamine is released and serotonin is released and we become happier. So yeah, there's a lot of bad experience in, in the past that prevent people from trying. Some people are also introverts and they, they, they feel that they don't want to open up too much. Some people are simply not used to it. I would say fear, but you know, the, the antidote for fear is, is love and taking a step forward. My teacher and my mentor, Lenny, designed a very beautiful, funny ritual about that. He asked you to put your hands in arm and say, I'm afraid and I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and did it work? I guess so, because oh, we don't want to live in the prison of ourselves. And actually, if you think about if you're not delighting, you're sitting in a prison when the door is really open. You just need to go out. And you don't have to do it in a rara way. If you're introvert, there is a way to delight without making rara. I don't believe that. Actually, I find leaders that are introverts are much more delightful and delighting than the ones that are extrovert. So it's a really interesting point I wanted to explore with you, Abby, because as a coach, you know, there are there are those extroverts who you can perceive physically and non-verbally their, their delight or not, as a case may be. But how do you notice that? And, and how do you respond to that with somebody who is introverted? Well, I think let's go into the essence of delight. Uh, what makes people delighted? And if you if you get that notion, if you only get this, I'll, I'll talk about the engine of delight. And I, I'll make it as a question. What is 
the one verb, one word that is also an action, is also a mindset, a way of life, that if you do it unconditionally, consistently, continuously, it will be the quickest way for you to earn trust, gain influence, feel a sense of belonging, even if you're the new kid in the organization, and feel happier together. I'll repeat, what is a one word, one way of life, one attitude that is also a verb, that if you do that unconditionally, consistently, and continuously, it will be the quickest way for you to earn trust. I'm going to have a guess at something like contribution, making a difference. You got it. Contribution. And contribution is what you do. And, and whether you're introvert or extrovert, it doesn't really matter. But if you have the mindset of contribution, because there's a lot of science that say that when we give to other people, we feel happier because we feel better about ourselves. There's lots of evidence from science that we are much happier when we give to others. We transform from a place of help, helplessness to helpfulness. But contribution is one level above giving because giving is I give you what I feel that you need. In delight, we call contribution is something that adds value that the other person needs. And if you stick to that, whether you are introvert or extrovert, you're going to do well. Thanks, Ellie. That's really, really insightful. And, and I think can resonate with people who, are, who recognize themselves that they're introverted or indeed extroverted. So you've done quite a lot of research into the subject of delightfulness and the role that that plays in cultures. So what kind of cultures do you see in organizations and the role that delight then plays to that? I, I see a culture that is transactional where the leader just care about results and doesn't care about you. It can vary on, on one part, it could be even toxic. And I see cordial culture, you know, it's nice to work here, uh, but it's not really an attachment. You don't feel like you're working for a tribe or feel a sense of belonging. It's nice to work here. People are, are nice, they give you a nice salary, they develop you quite a bit. It's not really, delightful culture. And on the other side of the spectrum, I see cultures that try to be too delightful, uh, pleasing, as, as you say, and they go uh, Pollyanna, happy, fluffy, and soon they are not responsible for the cash flow and they go down the drain because they forget that there is a discipline and you need to have all the things, all the results together. And in the middle, there is a culture of delight where you have both the brain and the result-oriented leaders, at the same time, they pay attention to the heart and they pay attention and, and they have different kind of mindset, the leaders. I would say that if, if you make them go through, what will be your retirement party? Who's going to be there? Are they going to clap their hands so they're happy that you just left? Or are they going to have some tears and they're going to be there hugging you and making a big celebration and stay in touch with you afterwards? And what do you want to see when you retire? Do you want to see people that you say, oh, he's so successful because I was developing that person? This kind of culture is where the leaders understand that the way that they're going to develop their leaders that's going to be working there. And interestingly enough, one of the, we talked about contribution. In the last day of the 
Chief Delighting Officer course, we do an activity that is called the Circle of Contribution. I'm not going to go too much into it. We're not going to have time. But at the end, we find the five top contributors in the company. Don't ask me how, but we find them and we make them sit in a panel and we ask them, so why do you contribute? Now, of course, they're going to say a lot of nice things. They, oh, it's obvious. But here is what is not obvious. I noticed that four or three out of the five top contributors in the company are very tired. They work so much to help other people that they're very tired. But one or two of them is not. And, you know, having this uh, working on the circle of contribution hundreds of times, I asked the question, so what do you do differently? And I realized that the, these two that are not tired develop a habit that they teach the people that are reporting to them how to become a contributor. And that's interesting because, because they're surrounding themselves with people that have the contribution mindset. And when we interviewed, we, we, had, we had been doing with, uh, I have to have, give credit to my partner, Daniel Lee. Uh, he did most of the research. We interviewed 220 people in 37 countries, six continents, and 50% of them are ladies. And we got to understand more about delighting and how all of these leaders shied away from being Pollyanna pleasers, and they went immediately to the soft spot. And one of the people that we interviewed was Craig Smith, the president of Marriott in Asia Pacific. And he said, sometimes people will do things for you that they would not do for the organization. And this is how friendly you should be with them. So on one hand, don't be fluffy Pollyanna, but at the same time, you got to be friendly and care for the people, for them to follow you. So what if I'm a leader and I'm, I'm having a really bad day? I recognize that I need to be the chief delighting officer of the organization. If I'm in a bad mood, I just can't shrug it. Tell me, how would, would you help me get out of that? What could I do that, that would help me be present and think about that? Well, uh, I would like to invite you and the audience to do something with me so I will answer. But first, I'm going to ask you, tell me, what do you do on a bad day when people ask you, how are you? I guess the internal voice always says, yeah, I'm having a great day. I'm fine. Or often fine is, is what you hear. And, and when I hear that, I think probably you're not fine. And, and what if you are a salesperson and you need to, to sell something? I'm asking you, how are you? And, and, and you know, the more you say, oh, I'm great or fantastic and all this, your, your body will say something else. But the problem is also, the more you project yourself to be better, you're going to feel exhausted after that day where you're actually pretending to be happy and you're not, and you're going to be exhausted at the end of the day. You're going to be inauthentic to begin with. So what if I'm going to share with you a short um, exercise that will help you about that? And I invite also your audience to, to be with me. I would ask you to put your hands on the two sides of your hands as if they were horse blinders. And every time you're going to say yes to a question of mine, please put your, your hands, your palm of your hands, out one inch and up one inch. All right? Every time you say yes. Okay? Got it. So I'll start with the first question. Did you wake up on a bed? Yes. Yes. Okay. Put your hands 
one inch to the side, one inch up. Do you have a roof above your head? Yes. Yes. All right. So you know that uh, more than 200 million people don't have it. And you have probably 10 million refugees at this point of time. Do you have running water? Yes. Yes. Well, you, you know that 1 billion people need to walk for more than an hour in order to get water. Uh, do, do you have ability to provide for your family? I sure do. Yes. Say yes. Put your hand one, yes. uh, one inch to the side and, and one, one inch up. Do you live in a free country? Yes. Yes. Do you have friends? Yes. Do you have people that you love and people love you? And the list go on and on and your hands should be by now in the V positions, making 45, uh, 90, 90 degrees and you are at the center. And you look up and you say, I have all this and billions of people don't. And if you have all of this, and I'm going to ask you, in comparison to those who don't, are you blessed? For sure. So you're blessed. And if you're blessed, can you be grateful for this blessing? Yeah, really neat. So what if you ask me, Avi, on a bad day, Avi, how do you feel? Yeah, so, so how do you, you deal with that when maybe, you know, you're feeling less than delightful? How do you, how do you get into that space? So when you ask me, how do I feel? I'm going to tell you blessed and grateful and sad or blessed and grateful and extremely angry or whatever the situation would be. And because I know that 90% of my life is great and the 10% when we put the horse blinder, we only see in the morning what is not there. The to-do list, the things that we need, people that hurt us, uh, the emotions, the negative things that happen and how are we going to resolve all this? And we don't see the rest. And what we did, we expanded the horizon to see and to recognize the truth. I'm not talking about inventing things to make my feel better. I just acknowledge what I do have at this point of time. And the interesting thing, when I tell someone, let's say I tell my employee, I'm blessed and grateful and very angry, they can connect with me because they see that I'm human. I didn't pour on them my negativity. I gave them a way to have a cushion that I'm not in a good state of mind, but at the same time, I want to be delightful. And when you look at your employees, if you're going to give them permission, you create what, what do you call you create organizational safety. Because if they can come to you and say the same thing, if you are running a frontliner business, you could say, oh, you know what? Why don't you go to back office today or take half a day off? I'll cover for you. And that is where you can make the delightful connection to understand that's why I'd like leaders first to take the chief delighting officer. By the way, everybody in the world is a chief delighting officer or can be a chief delighting officer. We have 8 billion of us. I took it as a gimmick to make me as a chief delighting officer, but I'm not the only one. The minute that you step into the mindset of delighting other people, you are a chief delighting officer. Yeah, I like that. And and often it's sometimes giving ourselves a permission to think differently and behave differently with a different label, i.e. chief delighting officer, that gives us the capabilities that come along with that too. Absolutely. Avi, you've also developed a technique and a solution, haven't you? So that wherever you go now, you get treated like a VIP. And I'd love it if you could share with our listeners how you could end up by going into a bar, a hotel, a coffee shop, 
and get that VIP treatment just by being delightful. I'll tell you an, an interesting story. A few years ago, I went to uh, Manila. I usually stayed there at the Peninsula Hotel because the general manager at that time uh, was my client. Uh, I was in the lobby. I was talking to an HR director of one of the top telecom companies. He had coffee. I couldn't have another coffee, so I got water. And when the waiter came, he gave him cookie, and my water comes without cookie. And I wanted a cookie. So I stopped the waiter and I saw uh, his name and I, I pretended that I, I, I had a conversation with a cookie and I said, mm, the cookie feels lonely. Would you consider uh, giving me one more cookie so it can get married? He smiled and within a minute he brought three cookies uh, to me, and that was delightful. So what I did is I tried to stop the, the, the first person that I saw, and I say, who's the supervisor on the floor? She said, I am. And I said, oh, okay, great. I want to tell you that this gentleman did a great job, and he delighted me. I didn't expect that, and he made me smile. It was very uh, fun. And I asked her for the email of tell manager, was my friend, and the general manager is above him. And I took that email and I sent a, a thank you letter. Her name was Sonia. What I received back in the email was received the picture of the gentleman with three cookies. And that was really delightful. I think that when you have a mindset of appreciating uh, people, calling them by the name, understanding that sometimes they are pressed, they are, it's understaffed, and they're really doing their best. Sometimes, you know, I go and uh, I take uh, the, 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 the small uh, tissue and I clean the table a little bit uh, because I see they're so, so engaged and I understand them. I, I try to have a conversation. And by the way, I, I forgot, but the name of the gentleman was Millard. And Millard is uh, also on my Facebook and he already left the peninsula and we still are in touch. And if you create conversation and make people feel that they are human because they are serving you. You know, nobody goes to the F&B industry, hotel or airlines um, because of the high pay and the short shift. It's a very demanding job and they're working for such a small pay. Your acknowledgement of them as a person means so much to them. If you are kind to them, create a conversation, be thankful and grateful. Guess what happened? A few days later, when I came, the hotel was packed. There was not a place to sit. And Millard found me and found the only chair available and gave me a VIP service. And every place that I go, I make note to be nice and be kind and not to be bitchy. And by the way, if you are dating someone and that someone is misbehaving to the people, that should be a red alert for you because the way that they behave to other people is the way that is the real them. And be very careful from people that are not behaving nice to other people. You are defined not where everything is comfortable for you. You're not a big shot. If you don't treat other people nice, that's the real person that you are. You are treating them with your pain. You don't need to inflict your pain on other people. So what I'm hearing is if you're delightful to others, you'll get delight in return. 
most of the time. And uh, sometimes you need to add to it a dosage of compassion. There are three ways that you, three tools that you need to know, because some people will be there to abuse you. And I call them the black holes of delight. And when you see your hand disappear and, and people try to, to take a bite of you, uh, have a conversation with them uh, about it. And if you see that they insist on being black holes, then just disconnect and move on because 95% of the people you're going to meet are waiting to be delighted and waiting to reciprocate because the nature of delight is that once we are delighted, we feel compelled to delight back. And Avi, if you could give our listeners your top three leadership hacks, what would they be? I'm not sure that I know how to hack the system for not working hard. Everybody that tells you, it took me about 14 years to become an overnight success. The, the first thing we talked already about is a mindset of contribution. I think the second thing, when people don't behave in the way that you like them to behave, you need to set up a rule of trying to understand what their pain is. If possible, use compassion. If compassion doesn't work, use pity. If pity doesn't work, disconnect. But don't get sucked to black holes and their uh, negativity. I have four pillars when I wake up in the morning. The first thing, I do the blessed grateful exercise because I know that no matter how difficult and problem, and you know, we had a coronavirus here in Asia. Entire industry uh, is suffering from massive losses. Uh, I guess in, in Asia, a trillion dollar was shaved and we are in the service industry and you know, the events were canceled. So if you're not having the ability to be less than grateful on the beginning of the day, you're going to suffer. The second pillar that I have uh, for myself, I would say that I try to change what I can, but I also understand there's a limit to what I can do. And I accept whatever is impossible for me to, to accept because what you resist persists. The third pillar um, that I have is love. I love, I, I learned to love myself at the time, uh, especially uh, after a big uh, problem in my family, I was really miserable and even depressed. So I learned, I didn't know how to love myself, but I learned how to do it. And I love what I do. I love my team. I love uh, my work, I love uh, my customers. Actually, I don't have customers, only friends. I love my girlfriend, I love my kids, I love, I love the world. And the last thing, of course, is coming back to contribution. People like you are giving fantastic contributions. That was one of the reasons that I immediately say yes with a lot of good tips. And I'm grateful for you to choose me to be here today to give value to your audience. Abby, that's awesome, thank you. And, and we'd be grateful for you being here too. And at this part of the show, we're going to ask our guests to, we could call this affectionately hack to attack. So time in your past where either you've screwed up, things haven't worked out as well. But as a result of that, you now have some learning or some foundations that you use positively in your work and your life. Maybe if you could just share with our listeners your hack to attack. I think stories, people people like stories uh, much, uh, much more. Uh, I call it convert the shit into fertilizer. In, in the contract of life, it says thy shall have adversity, challenges, and issues. But in the fine print, it says thy shall not dwell in the shit. Thy shall convert the shit into fertilizer. Take one example. 
when uh, I flew business with Turkish Airlines to Geneva and my suitcase came in shreds and they wouldn't pay me back and it was a struggle. And then a new GM came to Singapore. His name is uh, Genghis. And he was a righteous man. And he saw the injustice and immediately arranged everything to be right. Not only that, he invited me for lunch. And immediately after that, I invited him for lunch. And we became great friends. And guess what? Turkish Airlines took me to work for them. Actually, I got uh, some of my great paying gig with them traveling the world and uh, going to different places in the, in the world, giving my keynote uh, speeches and getting paid. And not only that, I got one of the best friends in, in my life. And in every time, I think everything that happens to you is giving you something. I would say that even a kick in the ass is kind of a push forward. And I learned so much more from my worst bosses then I learned as as much from what not to do than my good bosses in life. And if you have this mindset, you know that almost, almost everything, with the exception of people that are psychopaths, they stay away from them, you could turn around situation. Some wise words, Avian. I'm really grateful for you sharing uh, your hack to attack. So if you could time travel back to when you were 21 and bump into your 21-year-old self, what would be the one bit of advice that you would give Avi at 21? Well, there's several things that I didn't get in my life, and maybe that's what made me who I am. I would not change a bit because I wouldn't be the person that I am now. Of course, all of us want to see uh, the natural thing is to look at my deficiencies and say, oh, I would give myself a Stephen Covey book, so I'm going to be more efficient with time. But then I wouldn't be who I am now. I'll be telling him, just be yourself because you developed so many beautiful things. And naturally, you, you had the beauty of uh, finding the best in other people and to appreciate them. And if there's only one thing I would change is I would be so much kinder to my mom. And if you are a young man today, I would recommend to you that your parents, loving parents, just be kind to them. Sometimes we treat people better than the people that we really love because we can have the excuse that we could be ourselves. I would say you have to be the best version of yourself for the people that you love. They are the number one people in your life. And that is maybe the only tip that I would give to make sure you pamper and you carry with pride and great love the people that deserve it the most. That's lovely words. Thank you. So, Abby, I guess... Folk are listening to this and thinking, how do I get to see or hear or, or, or learn a little bit more about Avi's work? So how can we connect you and connect them? Well, go to aviliran.com. You have a place uh, to just give me a note. And by the way, you know, we, we are living in a beautiful world in a very tough time. Planets suffered. And I see a lot of people share a lot of things about what's happening in the world, but they do nothing. So here is something that I would do to you if you're going to connect with me on, on my website. There is a place there where if you have a newborn, I would actually buy a tree for your newborn because I just bought 500 trees to plant. Why? Because I want my kids to have air. And if you have a newborn, 
just there is a form over there you put also your postal address and we're going to send you a certificate of course it's on recycled paper about the tree that was planted on the owner and hopefully you're going to do the same so i think that delighting can't be done alone and maybe on on the website if you go to deliveringdelight.com you could even buy the shirt that says let's delight because i don't believe i can delight alone this is why if you in the audience become a chief delighting officer that you already are just claim it spread the news around and if you have a, an event with your company and you want me to be your guest speaker i will delight your audience and i make sure that they come with beautiful messages and unforgettable way and thank you for having me uh, avi loran it's been absolutely delightful having you on our show too thanks avi I genuinely want to say a heartfelt thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in too. We do this in the service of helping others and spreading the word of leadership. Without you listening in, there would be no show. So please subscribe now if you haven't done so already. Share this podcast with your communities and network and help us develop a community and a tribe of leadership hackers. And finally, if you'd like me to work with your senior team, your leadership community, keynote an event or you would like to sponsor an episode please connect with us via our social media and you can do that by following and liking our pages on twitter and facebook our handle there is at leadership hacker instagram you can find us there at the underscore leadership underscore hacker and at youtube we're just leadership hacker so that's me signing off i'm steve rush and i've been the leadership hacker